Welcome to Random Trek Review, the podcast where we analyze, discuss, and review randomly selected Star Trek episodes. My name is Matt. I will be your host for this installment of RTR, and I'm joined by my good friend Andrew. And uh, I have a feeling this um, might be kind of a uh, stop-and-go kind of podcast, because there's energy fragments all over the place slowing us down. Perhaps those are my friends, and they're coming to get you, Matt. (laughs) Yes, my imaginary friend Andrew, who's going to bring, <laughs> his, a- this week, yeah. bring his alien friends to come and get us. Yeah, that's right. We're uh, we're on to the next generation, the uh, episode Imaginary Friend. So I can assure you there's nothing imaginary about this podcast. No. Uh, now, last week, um, I feel like that uh, your recall was pretty much spot on. I mean, not to jump right into it, but uh, I feel like this must have been a childhood favorite or something because... Uh, you had lots of pieces. Yeah, well, hey, why not? We might as well not keep people waiting. Uh, so, yeah, I um, I gave did my, my recall at the end. Why don't you uh, tell me how I did and give me a score out of five mysterious energy strands. All right, so I guess I will start with the not impressive stuff, and I will work towards the impressive stuff. So, obviously, an episode called Imaginary Friend, you knew that it was about an imaginary friend. That's a fairly easy one. You also remember that the Enterprise was uh, going towards a nebula, nebula uh, and there was an alien force, an a- alien entity, that kind of thing, which, I mean, you could have guessed. That part I probably could have gotten myself. Um, the impressive part comes... From the fact that you actually remembered that the main character, or the the focus character this week, was a girl named Clara who had recently joined the Enterprise. Now that's pretty impressive to remember the name. Uh, But you also remember that the imaginary friend's name was Isabella. Kind of giving you, uh, you know, a secondary little uh, point. You remembered that Isabella was forcing her to do bad things. And at one point that uh, Deanna Troy figures out that you know, she's a, she's a real thing and attacks her. You knew that there was some sort of problem and that they aliens were coming to get them. You didn't mention the strands, but you said they were coming to get them. Um, and you didn't really remember the ending. But that being said, I still think this is a five out of five uh, mysterious energy strands. Now, of course, the episode ends with a classic Picard speech, uh, which I mean, I guess don't most of them. <laughs> Yeah, that should be like a standard guess standard guess, yeah. just all of them. Picard gives a rousing speech, and that is the end of it. So this is uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 5, Episode 22, which is only two episodes away from the next phase, which we reviewed early in the first season of RTR. The original air date was May 4th, 1992. The episode guest stars Noli Thornton as Clara Sutter, Shay Astar as Isabella, Jeff Allen as Daniel Sutter, Brian Bonsall as Alexander Roshenko, Patty Yasutaki as Alyssa Ogawa, Sheila Franklin as Felton, and Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan. It was written by Edith Swenson and Brennan Braga and directed by Gabrielle Beaumont. 
And in case you didn't get a chance to watch it uh, since the last podcast, I'll give you a quick synopsis. The Enterprise is studying a nebula when a mysterious beam of energy breaches the hull and wanders around the ship. It decides to take the form of Isabella, the imaginary friend of Clara Sutter, who recently came aboard with her father. Isabella encourages Clara to explore the ship, including off-limits areas like engineering. This gets Clara into trouble, and when she tries to make new friends at a sculpting class, Isabella sabotages her efforts by ruining the cool cup that Alexander Roshenko is making for his father. While the Enterprise experiences mysterious drops in velocity, which they cannot explain, Isabella attacks Counselor Troy in a fit of rage and tells Clara that the grown-ups are all going to die. The decreases in velocity get worse until the Enterprise can no longer move and life forms begin draining their shields. It is revealed that Isabella is one of the life forms from the Nebula who believe the crew mistreats Clara. Picard explains that Clara is a child and that rules are put in place to protect children. Having come to an understanding, the aliens break off their attack and the Enterprise fires a beam of energy into the nebula for them to feast on. Alright, as we often do, uh, let's start by just giving a quick overall impression of uh, the episode. Andrew, why don't you uh, start us off? Uh, I liked this episode and I liked this era or this kind of branch of next generation episodes where you have a very distinct kind of arc throughout it it shows you a little bit of a life on the enterprise not necessarily from the main crew's point of view but from somebody else's point of view and uh i again i i do love episodes where it's not necessarily the end of the galaxy, the end of the universe. This one felt really kind of small at first, and of course they brought in the alien strands, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't really that dire, perhaps. They just kind of added that in for dramatic effect. Um, I thought that it was a good episode uh, in terms of one that involves children, which I think Star Trek does not often enough, perhaps. Okay. Um, I thought this was kind of a boring run-of-the-mill kind of an episode i i didn't really like it that much it's not that i don't like having kids on the show i think that is kind of a cool thing and i think if you're gonna have families and kids on the enterprise then i guess you you probably should tell some sort of stories from their perspective and i think that that's one thing that this episode does fairly well but um i don't know i just thought it was kind of meh yeah, okay. Um, in terms of like when you first saw it, do you have any recollections? Have you seen this one a lot? Have you not really watched this one that frequently? Did you love it as a kid? Did you hate it? What was the story there? Uh, it scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Uh, so much so that when I was like probably 12 or 11 or 12, like I wouldn't even watch it. Really? Because that scene where Isabella attacks Counselor Troy just scared the bejesus out of me. So... Um, yeah, it's, it is kind of funny how when you're a kid, one little thing can happen and it can kind of build up more in your mind. Like when you watch it now, I'm sure that it probably seems like pretty fair play, especially with comparison to stuff that's on TV nowadays. But it's true. Stuff can just kind of hit you in a certain way. And I have to say that, I mean, I remember watching this one probably just because of that portrayal of Isabella. It is kind of a very creepy omen, child of the corn kind of take on it which makes it a memorable episode yeah it's definitely memorable and i mean i 
you know, I, obviously I remembered it pretty, pretty mm-hmm. intensely for whatever. I don't know if that's the reason why, maybe. But yeah, no, it's... I, I definitely remember watching it when I was younger and not liking it at all because it was kind of scary. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the fact that you remember it at all does say something because there's a lot of episodes of Star Trek and there are a lot of episodes where even if you went and flipped it on right now, you might be like, oh, I don't really even remember this one. Like, Or maybe kind of. They might have like one little thing that you remember, but I'm sure that there are episodes of almost all the series where if you flipped it on, you might have that feeling of like, oh, I don't really recall this one, just because it's so by the numbers and so basic. So, I mean, this one at least has some saving qualities in that respect. Yeah, now do you remember the first time you saw it or anything stick out to you with this one? Or, or No, I remember Isabella. I don't know if I would have remembered the name, but once you said it, it kind of popped back into my mind. Um, and I do remember watching, I remember seeing it, whenever three four or five years ago when i was watching the, the series for the first time um and it did stand out just because of that and the other thing i think is that there's not a ton of episodes in this brand of star trek and we'll probably talk about it a little bit later but this is kind of a double whammy this is a kid-centric episode as well as a non-main cast focus episode so that kind of makes it unique in and of itself that's very true, yes. There aren't a whole lot of uh, episodes that aren't really centered around the main cast. So, yeah, we'll get into that, I'm sure, later on. Now, uh, there's a little bit of background and development uh, info out there. There's a couple of cool little tidbits here, but there wasn't really much to, to find. Um, the first thing that uh, sort of I found was that uh, the script apparently had like sort of bounced around and was rewritten and rehashed by a lot of freelancers before it finally came to Brandon Braga and they're like, okay, we need you to make this into something workable. And uh, originally Isabella was supposed to be just like kind of curious and friendly. Like uh, I think I was, uh, it was described in an interview as Puff the Magic Dragon-like. Uh, but (laughs) just this like kind of curious alien that was just sort of like hanging around but not really causing any mischief or anything Uh, but uh, Bram Braggett decided to take it in a bit of a darker direction and that's how we sort of got what we uh, what we got in the finished product hmm okay um would you have preferred that I think that would have been even more boring because okay well like what's some like you know cuddly what, what, what's where's the conflict where's, where's the threat the, yeah. yeah where's the, the the problem yeah i mean i guess we were never going to see it um but i feel like it could have potentially worked but i think that that kind of menace or that underlying menace that isabella portrays is something that makes it memorable if she was kind of friendly and ho-hum this might be kind of more of a jokey episode and i don't know how many of those i really love i i think that star trek does everything well but i would have to say like the humory jokey episodes is probably near the bottom in terms of what they do well yeah and i don't know if it really works here because like if there's like just this alien just sort of hanging around like is that even going to be funny or is it even going to be good yeah, I don't know. It, it all, it, everything depends on writing, right? If you can write it well, then you probably could make it work. But I, I'm happy they went with what they went with. I think it would have been. It is much better the way they went. 
Now the other one thing that the other thing that's kind of neat is that uh, Gaiman was not originally in this episode, uh, and then a few days before they started shooting it, they learned that oh, Whoopi Goldberg is uh, available and would be able to be in this episode. So I guess they like furiously rewrote a couple of the scenes and and put Guinan uh, into them once they figured out that Whoopi Goldberg was able to be in the episode. And um, the one scene that would was would have been much different, I think, to put it mildly, was the that cloud watching scene with with Guinan and Data. Mm-hmm. It was originally going to be Crusher and Troy. Wesley or Beverly? Well, Wesley is gone by this point. So okay, Beverly. so Beverly. Okay. Doc, yeah, and then they sort of when they first rewrote Guinan, and it was going to be Guinan and Troy. Okay. Which would have been like better. But I think the way it was was actually pretty good. Guinan and Data. Yeah, I think that's a good pairing, and it kind of makes it the best payoff at the end with 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 Data. Um, yeah, you know what? It's interesting because I feel like if they had not had Guinan and they had gone with more of a jovial imaginary friend, this you probably wouldn't have gotten five out of five. You probably would have been scratching your head trying to remember this one, or it would have been you know, maybe up there with one of the hilariously bad attempts at humor kind of episodes where you remembered it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> maybe, yeah, it's uh, it's quite possible. Now, that scene with Data was, uh, I, I don't, I, I, when I try to imagine how that would have gone with, like, Crusher and Troy, it's pretty, that's almost like a cringe-worthy thought. <laughs> I mean, it could have been. Um, I, I think that that is more of a Guinan thing to do to look at a nebula and try to to pick images out of it like we do with clouds um to have kind of two adults doing it especially those characters specifically I just can't see it it's almost like two women that you work with going out and looking at the clouds and trying to guess uh what the shapes are like I just can't see that really happening yeah, like laying in the grass, gazing <laughs> up at the sky at lunch hour. Like, yeah. That one looks like a bunny rabbit. Yeah, I don't know that <laughs> that is something that would work. And again, it might just kind of fall into that category of forgotten, pointless scenes in Star Trek. Well, fortunately for us, Whoopi Goldberg was available, so we don't have to know how that turned out. <laughs> or would have turned out. Would have turned out, yeah. Alright, uh, let's go over some uh, some plot points here. We've sort of gone over the bare bones uh, background info. Let's get into the, the meat of the podcast here. So uh, we start with the cool little teaser. It was kind of long, but, which is fine. Um, that's just one thing that kind of stuck out to me was that it was a little on the long side. And when this, so, so this alien energy whatever reaches the hull and it's sort of wandering around the ship and we get a couple of cool little scenes where we get like what's life like on the Enterprise sort of behind the scenes almost because we only really see the sort of high stakes stuff that's going on and, and we get a little bit of a, a little bit of a glimpse of sort of everyday life on the Enterprise where people are talking about you know a doctor crusher and a, the, the nurse are talking about like you know, her boyfriend and all this. And um, wasn't there one in um, engineering? Yeah. One in engineering. So I thought that was kind of cool. How did, what did you think of the, this cool little teaser that we get with all this behind this sort of low, sort of everyday kind of stuff? 
So, oddly enough, this made me feel sad. And you know why it made me feel sad? No. Is because we are never going to see something like this again. That was my like overall take from watching this was, this is so next generation. Just kind of a, a world building kind of teaser. When was this? This is the season, uh, season five. five, right? So I mean, they're already halfway through, but they still are taking the time to just let us see the comings and goings and the daily events of people that are important, like Crusher, but also people that are just kind of like secondary, um, as well as people that we've never even seen before, because it kind of ends in the Arboretum with uh, a Clara at the end. But yeah, this whole kind of life on the Enterprise thing is one of the reasons why everybody loves the next generation so much, but I, can, I cannot envision a scenario where we really ever see this uh, in 2019. It was almost like Seinfeld in Star Trek, you know, it was like a couple of scenes about nothing. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, and it was, but I mean, I always loved that kind of stuff. And so when I was watching this, it was almost a melancholy because I was just enjoying it so much. You know, I realized I don't need explosions and I don't need to have, you know, Romulan plots and I don't need all these things every week. It is sometimes nice to just kind of let it air out, let it breathe and just kind of watch a day in the life. And I think that there are a lot of episodes of Next Generation where they did that so well and people loved it so much. Oh, you don't think Discovery will ever do like a Data's Day uh, episode? No, and I don't even <laughs> think that they would ever go so far as to even just kind of give this much time. Like you said that it was long, and I agree with you. It was one of the longer teasers, but I, I didn't mind. I thought, it, I mean, I could have went with more of this, right? Like it, I know that you kind of maybe are leaning more towards boring, but I was just eating this up. I love this stuff. Well, I thought this part of it was really good. Oh, okay. But So um, we're in agreement that like the day in the life stuff is is good. Now we sort of end with uh, the, where Isabella appears and that sort of leads us to this being like a sort of a kid-centric episode. Now, do you have like any favorite kid episodes from Star Trek? There are a few of them. Um, I think that my favorite kid episode, and actually one of the, the funny or one of the more comedic ones that we have seen, um, I probably would have to go with Rascals. That's the one where um, Picard and Gein and Keiko, everybody, they get shrunk down into their, like, like I don't even know what age, maybe like 12. 12-ish, and they are kind of running amok, but the Ferengi villains don't really kind of take them serious because they're children. Um, it's the main characters, but it's played with kids, and the kids are really good in it. Um, that's probably my favorite. Do you have a favorite? Well, I don't really have a favorite, although Rascals, is, is that's kind of a good one. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I really have a favorite one. Um, now, do you like when they use like do kind of kid centric episodes, or would you prefer kids to be out of it and they would be more in the background? You know, I I don't mind it if it's like a good premise, and a lot of them I guess are. There aren't a lot of them that where you watch it and you're like, why are they like focusing on these kids? It makes no sense. Like, there's usually a good reason for it, so I don't really I don't really mind them. Okay. They're, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't dislike them. And, and what are your thoughts on just kind of like a secondary slash tertiary character like Naomi Wildman, where they kind of are in the background? They might be used as kind of a piece of something, but they're not really showing up that frequently. I have my gripes about Naomi Wildman specifically, but okay. I don't object to the idea. Yeah, I mean, like, let's say Nog before he, you know, turned his life around when he was just this sort of like rascally 
scoundrel. I, I had no problem with that. Right. Yeah, and I think that again, it comes down. If you write it well, then people will will kind of enjoy it if it's if it, if it makes sense and it fits. That's um, right. Now I have a I have a trivia question for you, and in order to kind of make it um, a bit easier for you to answer, I have gone before children, and I'm looking at pregnancies. So my trivia question for you this week is: Can you name the five main characters? The five main characters of the Star Trek series who have been pregnant in an episode. In an episode. So if the actor was pregnant, but they didn't... They didn't acknowledge... No, it's, it, sorry, let me just rephrase it and just say no. the character. The actual character themselves yeah. was pregnant. Troy was pregnant. Troy was pregnant, yes. Oh, boy. Uh, Kira was pregnant. Yes, Kira was pregnant. Hmm... <laughs> Ooh, I might have got you this week as people scramble at home. <laughs> there are three more. Three more, wow. I would say one very easy and two slightly difficult. Are you out? I, I, I'm not going right. The one that you're going to kick yourself is is obviously Belana Torres. Oh, yeah. She, I, was, <laughs> All right. I was thinking of when the actor was pregnant, but right. they like, didn't actually incorporate it she Into just she just wore that like giant baggy smock over her for like <laughs> five months and then it disappeared forever <laughs> right um but yeah balana torres um obviously had a kid with tom paris and then the other two are voyager as well so um Kess, uh is pregnant in an alternate timeline with tom mm. paris um and the one that uh, is i mean really questionable but it is on there is janeway uh, was pregnant and had Tom Paris's baby in the episode Threshold oh. when they were those lizards on that like uh, planet after going warp ten. Jeez, that Tom Paris is. Uh... Yeah, really, he really gets around, doesn't he? <laughs> oh boy. Anyways, um, okay, so that's so after Isabella appears, that sort of sets up this whole imaginary friend thing, uh, which you know is kind of a common. Thing for kids to have imaginary friends. Yeah, childhood um, staple. Yeah, so that was kind of neat that they brought that into an episode. Uh, now, did you have any imaginary friends? Um, I didn't, um, or not that I recall anyway, and I don't really remember my parents ever telling me any tales of like imaginary friends. How about you? Not that I can remember or that I've ever been told about, so I'm going to guess that I didn't. Um, as much of it's as a... A very common thing. I think it's a very like young kid thing. Like I think oh, imaginary yeah. friends are probably for like really young kids when they're trying to sort all that kind of stuff out. And I yeah, think it works yeah. nicely in this episode actually because they establish that she's been switching around to different ships and she never has time to kind of make real friends. So yeah. it makes sense to make an imaginary friend. So now we have a we have a cool scene in Ten Forward with Guinan. And I mean, are there really any non-cool scenes involving Guinan? No, I mean, like, Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> was on her game back in these days, right? Like, she was really, I mean, I think a lot of times people just think of her from The View because that's where she is currently, I think, or at least that's what I kind of remember. And I remember when I was a kid growing up, like, Whoopi Goldberg was always, like, the center square on Hollywood Squares. That's all I always remember. Yeah. And even the movies that I remember her in, because I never really watched her a lot of her dramatic stuff. So when I was a kid, it was a lot of, like, sister act and, and kind of more of the comedic stuff. Mm. Uh, as an adult or as an older person, I can really appreciate how good she is. She chews 
scenery with almost every character. You mentioned oh, yeah. that data scene p- played perfectly. You know, she has a kind of childlike uh, mystique to her. But then, yep. you know, we've also seen her kind of giving Picard advice in really dire situations as well. And I think the way that she deals with Clara in this episode, again, it's just, it's just, it really is. It's spot on, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good. There's that line she has where she's she's telling Claire about this like hideous beast that she had as her like you know imaginary friend, and Claire's like, "It sounds scary," and she's like, "Yeah, especially when he smiled." Right. Yeah. And it's just you know she just has that like kind of childlike attitude, I guess. Yeah, and I think they did a good job of kind of establishing that she has been around and alive for so long that mm. she just has so many personal skills. That yeah. she's developed over time. That it doesn't matter who it is. She just seemed... And I think we had this one before even where... Remember she was kind of flirting with Riker and... Uh, you know, like it doesn't matter what the situation is. She has a, a way of, of just kind of fitting in. Of, of communicating with people. And it's really, well, it's really great. I wish that there was more episodes with her. But I think she was hard to get like you mentioned. Um, now... We sort of see a different kind of uh, counseling here when uh, Clara goes to see Counselor Troy with her her father. Um, what did you think of Counselor Troy's uh, counseling skills here? Um, I'd say this is one of the better episodes that we see Troy doing some counseling. I think that uh, she has kind of a natural progression, right? At the beginning, she kind of says that it's just something that is a defense mechanism and it will probably pass over time. But as things get more serious and as she starts acting out, her plan changes and things. What did you think of Troy in this one? Well, it was a definite improvement over evolution where yeah. like, she worries the guy's like going to be do something crazy. And then she like goes to his quarters and like basically insults him and then just leaves without yeah. doing anything to help him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like in this one, she definitely is, she's definitely on top of it. I feel like she's communicating with the dad a lot. There was a lot of little intricate bits, too, where she was kind of get. she was doing her little counseling session with Clara, and then she asked her to leave and talk to the dad, and we, we were privy to both of those conversations, which I think is, which is a, a good little thing. I mean, I, I kind of remember as a kid, even when you, like, go to the dentist, after the dentist was done with you, you kind of went to the waiting room while they like chatted about you uh, behind closed doors or or whatever the case may be. Like I think that this is again, it just breathes real life to me anyway. Yeah, it was definitely, and it was also more like sort of textbook counseling, right? Mm-hmm. It was the way that they were sort of like, well, you know what, this is probably just a my, you know, this is probably a temporary thing. She's new on the ship, it'll, you know, as she gets to know real kids, make friends with real kids, it'll just sort of work itself out. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I yeah, it was it was definitely uh it was some quality counseling uh skills, I would say. And I liked seeing a ensign who's just new to the enterprise interacting with kind of a commanding officer, but not in like the military sense. This is more like the ranks are down and it's kind of like the father and the counselor like I, I don't know, there was just something about all of these little interactions that they did so well that I felt that it, again, it just had a, a life to the ship. Because we're probably never going to see this guy again. But you know that he works in engineering. 
you know that he's a single dad he's got a daughter he's been bouncing around trying to get to uh you know like a, a, a position where he can and can be at and stay uh so you get a lot of who this guy is from very little and i think that it just kind of builds it builds that whole family a nice kind of painted picture even if we have to fill in some of the blanks i still feel like we get a sense of what it is like to be this guy and you're right, we don't ever see him. Again. No, we don't, but, <laughs> but I mean, at least he's a character. Like, I feel like, you know, they do a good job of filling him out for, like, essentially just a one-episode, 40-minute story. We do get quite a bit from that one, this one episode. Sutter was definitely uh, a little bit more developed than some of the other one-offs that we have uh, seen so far. Now, this sort of leads into another cool little thing that we're, we're seeing very much in this episode, which is uh, that Next Generation was not afraid to do episodes where it wasn't really focused on the main cast. And I think probably the best example of that is Lower Decks. Yeah, we've talked about Lower Decks a bunch, and especially since there's that new animated show called Lower Decks where they're just kind of leaning into this idea. We should as... just draw it out of the hat already. <laughs> yeah, really. Maybe this week. <laughs> I, I could definitely do with that. Um... But no, I, I think that I sometimes forget how many episodes they did. And when this one was kind of progressing, um, especially at the beginning when that orb was going through the ship, I was like, oh yeah, they, this is another one where you're not really going to see Picard and Riker and all the, the regulars in their normal way. We don't really, we, I mean, we do because they, they end up having to kind of deal with the nebula, but... Most of the scenes are Clara and Isabella, They're a little bit with Troy, a little bit with the dad, but even the scenes that we do see with them, I would say they're not typical. Like when Sutter's in engineering working with LaForge, like that was not a very common looking engineering scene, I didn't think. Well, or think about like Worf's major appearance in the episode. The right, two kids are, The them. two kids are like running around and they run into him and he's like, you're not supposed to be here, this is a restricted area, and then... And then he very uncharacteristically just, like, lets them off. Yeah, but, I, yeah, I, I, again, though, I think that shows something about the character, right? Because we're so used to Worf the warrior, Worf the, you know, the battler, the, the fighting, everything like that. So to see that little kind of smirk as they, as they jog off, it makes you kind of remember, like, oh, right, this is not a ship that's just constantly in war, constantly fighting, constantly dealing with deadly things, even though it is. But you still see a little bit of that like human side uh, in just a small thing, right? Like Worf is not going to play the big bad Klingon to a couple of little kid girls. He's going to just kind of send them on the way and that's going to be it. Yeah, that scene I thought was actually really cool. How we do kind of see like a bit of a softer side of Worf, which I think you kind of have to have on a ship that's like has kids on it. Yeah. You can't always like rule with, a, with an iron fist. Right. So... I thought that was kind of neat. I mean, I, I like these episodes where you kind of push the main cast sort of to the periphery of the episode and you kind of focus on something that's a little bit different. Yeah, and it is funny how much you learn about the main cast by seeing them through someone else's eyes. That's very true. Yes. Right? Like, I mean, every time they've done this, even though we say, oh, it has nothing to do with the main cast, you still learn so much and see so much because... It's not the usual, right? Like, we're not seeing them in the usual scenario. So you see them through somebody else's eyes, and I think it adds so much. 
Hey, Andrew here, and I just wanted to say thanks for listening to Random Trek Review. Uh, if you want to get some more Star Trek goodness, then make sure to check out the RTR blog at randomtrekreview.blogspot.com. You can also find us on social media, iTunes by searching for Random Trek Review, Twitter for, by searching at Rando Trek Review, and Instagram at Random Trek Review. Or if you just want to use the old style way of emailing questions, comments, or just gripes in general, then feel free to drop us a line at randomtrekreview at gmail.com. Alright, continuing on with uh, some more plot points here. So, um, Sutter, uh, his name is Daniel Sutter, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's this single father in the 24th century, and this is something that we don't really see a whole lot of in Star Trek. Um, how did you feel about this this depiction of a, a single father in the 24th century? Uh, I mean, I guess Beverly is a single mother, but... Um... And Loaxana is a single mother as well. But, I, I, yeah, this is kind of the first one that's popped out to me as a single dad um, that I could really wrap my mind around. Ah, Worf is a single dad, actually. Yeah, you know what? But it's interesting how nonchalantly they show it. I feel like if this were to be an episode nowadays, they would maybe make a big deal about how it was a single parent and how difficult it was. But nobody really seems to be kind of complaining about it in Star Trek. It's just kind of taken as a... That's just the way the situation is. And I thought it was kind of interesting to see, especially since we don't really get a lot of the backstory um, for where the mom is or why the mom isn't there. It's just kind of established. that like, oh, yeah, this is just a single dad and this is his daughter and this is the situation. I think it also kind of makes it so that it puts a little bit more strain when uh, they are traveling around all these different ships and Council Troy does some good counseling when says maybe you should, you know, spend more time together and maybe you should try to give her an outlet that's not an imaginary person because she may be spending too much time alone. What did you think? Well, I didn't really think much of it uh, when we were watching it because I'm sure there are single parents in the 24th century. Um... I, I mean, I guess talking about it now, I mean, I guess it was kind of, it kind of worked it with the episode because you need a reason for the, this, this girl to need an imaginary friend. Right. And so jumping from ship to ship is probably a good way of doing it. And I guess also adding in that there's only one parent that also would, you know, make it kind of difficult to establish relationships, whether it's with other kids or even with her own father, who I'm sure is working feverishly at his at his various assignments that's true he's just an ensign man he's got to he's got to make up the ranks yeah exactly so yeah i thought that was kind of cool um that way and yeah i I don't know i guess i didn't really think a whole lot of the fact that he was a a single father okay now here's kind of a silly question but i mean i guess it should be asked um why does why, why does isabella need to go with clara to all of these places on the ship like does is it can you think of a reason why no. that would be the plot is the reason um <laughs> because yeah they've already established that she can go through walls and she can disappear and reappear at any place at any time so she doesn't really need isabella the only thing that i could really probably come to or come up with is that everything that she knows about humans at this point is kind of through clara's eyes so there maybe is kind of a connection where she feels like she needs to go with somebody. It's kind of like, you know, how sometimes girls always go to the bathroom together, like in oh. grade school and things. 
We're going to um, discuss one of the great mysteries of the universe. <laughs> well, it might be a similar thing. She has this connection, so she uh, she feels like she ha- wants to have a friend go with her. Well, okay, I guess that does kind of make sense. I mean, I get another question. would be, why don't other life forms... Why'd they only send one? One, yeah. That's another good question. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe some of these things you have to take with a grain of salt, but... I don't know, for whatever reason, Next Generation I give a lot more rope to than other shows. I, I, I'm definitely more on board with some of the inconsistencies just because they do such a good job of everything else. Yeah, that's real. I, I mean, I, that, I guess at the end of the day, and I think we've talked about this before, if, you are, if, if the story is good enough that you're not fixating on these things, mm-hmm. then I think... That's why we give more rope to some episodes than others. Because if this was a really dumb episode, and and we'd probably be fixating on this a lot more. Like, I didn't even really... It, it didn't really even occur to me when I was watching it. Right. Yeah, that's good, though, right? That it, yeah. I mean, almost any story, I guess. If you put a big enough microscope over top of it, you can probably find flaws. Yes. But yeah, this one's pretty small. Uh, now, there's a cool scene where Clara's, like, you know, goes to um, a sculpting class sculpting pottery i don't know they were like they were like working with clay to try and make some new friends and um she meets alexander roshenko everyone's favorite uh resident child on the enterprise yeah you know what's so funny about this episode just to give you a little uh window into how much i was enjoying this i was watching this by myself one afternoon and when uh troy comes to pick pick up clara and she says, oh, there's a ceramic class happening at the school. Like, do you want to come with me? And Clara's kind of like, eh, I don't know, maybe, maybe. She's like, okay, yeah, I'll go. And then she turns away. I was like, big mistake, Clara. I actually said it out loud. <laughs> and then, of course, Isabella shows up, and she's just, like, teething mad. Um, but, yeah, like, everything about this is just, like, this is my favorite scene in this episode. They go to the ceramics class, and I don't know what it is. But, like, Alexander Roshenko, is he not the best character, like, in all of Star Trek? Like, he is just so funny. Like, everything he does just <laughs> makes me laugh, and I don't know why. But it's just, like, there's that one scene where he's talking about how his father took him to the zoo. I was like, that should be an episode. I want to see the episode where Worf and Alexander go to the zoo. Um, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Alexander? Because I just think he's the best. Alexander is... He he kind of has this like goofiness to him. Yeah. Like you mentioned Rascals earlier and he's in that episode too. And remember he's like got that weird like remote controlled truck, truck yeah. thing and he's like driving it around and he like drives it into Captain Picard like child Captain Picard's leg. And I'm like like you must really suck at driving that thing <laughs> because you just drove it into someone's foot. And he's just sort of like, oh, I'm sorry, Captain. Yeah. And just the way he said it, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like the actor just has that, has this like sort of goofiness to him or whether that's intentional or, or what it is. But I, I always just found that he was kind of had this like goofiness to him. Well, he's like the most childlike character that they ever had, right? Like, I think a lot of characters on TV that are kids are not as, you know, they're written kind of like as little mini adults. And I think that this is a great example of somebody who, like, this is actually what a kid would be like. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, like, showing her, like, so you get a big clump of clay. Like, I think that's the word that he used. Yeah. And you, like, press your thumbs in it. Yeah. 
And then you put the row of things around it, and she puts it like in the wrong place. He's like, no, no, no. He yeah. like freaks out because it's not perfectly straight. No, I know. I don't know. For whatever reason, I just, this whole scene, and then when, uh, of course, Isabella like ruins the cup, or is it a, is it a goblet or a cup, or? I don't know. It's, it's some sort of like Klingon cup slash goblet or yeah. Yeah, whatever or like blood wine yeah. receptacle of some sort and i love how he's like i've been working on that for weeks it's like <laughs> what you've been working on that for weeks <laughs> like you just made it yeah like how long is this class and how frequently do they host like there's so many questions i have about this but i just this whole thing and at this point I, especially you can just you see where it's going Right? She goes to the class. You're like, oh, that goblet's getting wrecked. <laughs> and of course it does. And then Troy is uh, kind of meddling. And you're like, oh, Troy's going to get it next. Like, you can see it coming, but I'm just along for the ride at this point. But yeah, this ceramics class, oh, this is just gold. It this was, is Star Trek gold. It was pretty good. Yeah, I, I do enjoy that scene. Now, throughout the episode, they're exploring this nebula. How, how much do we love it on Next Generation especially? And I mean Voyager as well, but Voyager sort of had that overarching story of trying to get back to the Alpha Quadrant. But uh, when they're just like out there just straight up exploring, like how great is it? Well, yeah, that's the whole idea of the show, right? I think it's one of the reasons why when Deep Space Nine was announced, people kind of, uh, I don't know, they weren't really sure. But yeah, I feel like with Next Generation, they definitely did kind of the best of both scenarios. Because with the original series, it was always just, you go to a place, you investigate it, there's a story and it's done. You go to a place and you repeat that, right? With Next Generation, it was always kind of like lingering in the background, even when they were doing episodes like this, which I think is what makes it work the best. Yeah, this is what's, you know, this is what Star Trek's all about. You know, mm -hmm. This is like the spirit of the show, you know, the slogan or whatever is like, explore strange new worlds, right? Right, yeah. And that's, that's exactly what they're doing. They're in this, you know, funny looking nebula that has never been charted. There, remember that scene where they were like naming it in engineering? They were yes. like deciding what to name it. And then the, the, the Sutter's like, oh, they should call it Sutter's Cloud. And yeah. LaForge's like, I, I like the LaForge Nebula. Right. And Data's at the end, Data's like, Given the options, I prefer FGC. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. That was just so... I, I love that scene. But yeah. that's you know, but that's the sort of thing you get when they're like exploring, right? You're in a new place, no, and it's like, what do we call this? Yeah, and I, I mean, a lot of that is the reason why some of the movies don't work for me. It's one of the big reasons why a show called Star Trek Discovery angers me so much is because you're just not getting enough of this. And, I mean... One episode it, in two seasons is enough <laughs> it, The exploring is fun in this. And there's a certain amount of whimsy. And I think Voyager did this as well. There's, like, there's a lot of episodes that start with them. Like, nobody's ever been this close to a supernova before. Or, like, we're the first people to ever, like, discover, like, this new element. Or, or whatever. Like, I mean, a lot of the stuff is probably not that uh, important. But... It's just the character's reaction to it. Like, um, with Voyager, yes, they're trying to get home, but if they ever have an opportunity to go and find some new thing, Janeway is always kind of up for continuing the mission along, and there's lots of episodes where that gets brought up. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, to me, I feel like Next Generation probably did it the best. Yeah, Voyager, Janeway was not shy about uh, altering course to go explore some weird thing on the sensors. 
I love these episodes where they're like exploring something and there's like this kind of internal conflict or something like on the ship right mm-hmm. but it's but in the in the bigger picture they're like exploring they're they're finding new things and i always thought that was pretty cool about uh about the next generation now um there's this there's the scene where isabella like appears uh while counselor troy's like uh helping clara like look around in her bedroom to see right. if isabella's there is she under the bed is she <laughs> behind the plant like the classic like oh there's a monster under my right. bed right and, and isabella appears and like blaster or whatever yeah. like it was did, did it come from her eyes or or does, i can't remember i think she just puts her hand out maybe oh yeah yeah I think you're right yeah um, is this is, is this like a classic scene like Troy getting blasted. Well, you seem to remember it, so I mean, it's classic to you. Because um, it scared the you know what out of me. When yeah. I, was a kid. <laughs> um, I don't think it's up there with like some of the more classic next generation things, but um, in terms of kind of that image of her getting like flung against the, the, closet, the closet wall, yeah. um, it definitely it's memorable. Classic, maybe not so much, but memorable, yes. And that whole build up again. Like you can just you can see it coming a mile and a half away, but it's just like any good horror movie or any kind of thriller. Like you know it's gonna jump out, and you know that it's happening, and you're just kind of along for the ride. So like, yeah, is it under the bed? Is it in the closet? And you're just waiting. You know she's gonna show up and do it. And uh, yeah, it, it, God, what another great scene! Like I was just watching an episode of um, Voyager recently where uh neelix goes in to check uh naomi wildman's room because i forget she like he's the godfather i think yeah um he's like oh is it in under the bed is it in the go-? i was really hoping isabella was gonna show up and just blast <laughs> neelix because <laughs> yeah like what a great what a great scene what about you is this a classic or what i don't know if it's a classic but it was definitely memorable Isabella just sort of like materializing out of nowhere and like you know the old reaching the hand up and just yeah it's pretty it's pretty memorable and um but I don't I don't know if it's quite up there with uh like like the one we saw in Menage a Troy you know Picard reciting the, the poetry yeah like that it's not quite on that level but it is definitely something that or the sticks um, out to you. what about the elasomorph in uh the Dauphin where the <laughs> the the guardian turns into the huge monster like that's kind of like where this would fit like that yeah. level of memorability yeah yeah i think you're probably right that was although the one in the the elasomorph was more memorable in the fact that it was just like hideous yeah like a hideous creature but yeah but still shocking i mean yeah still... th- yeah this is not as shocking i suppose but still it's one of the things about the episode where if you said oh do you remember the one where they turn things into monster even if you don't remember you'd be like oh yeah yeah i kind of remember that happening Okay, now the sort of build up and the sort of climax of this is the scene in the Arboretum where Picard gives his little his speech, his classic Picard speech, you know, and this one sort of deals with um, how they how humans treat their children and how they you know set rules to because they don't you know kids don't know kids don't know anything and they can get themselves injured, hurt, or even killed. And so he's like sort of gives a speech to kind of explain all this to this alien who thinks that they're being mean to this little kid by not letting her do everything that they that she necessarily wants to do. Um, so where does this one rank uh, in the pantheon of Picard speeches? 
Uh, it's pretty middle of the pack for me. Um, I think that, like you said, this was the only part of the episode you didn't really remember. And it's probably because it's not a thing of really huge consequence. Um, it's an interesting idea, looking at something through the eyes of a child and kind of uh, judging the entire species based on that. Um, so I do like that. But in terms of his speech and stuff, I mean, she just kind of goes like, oh, okay, like, good point. <laughs> and, and that's kind of the end of it. But uh, I do like that Arboretum uh, set. I, don't, I know that they've done a few episodes where they ha- are in the Arboretum, but I always liked that. And I always thought that it was a neat idea because anytime they use the holodeck, they always kind of talk about how it's like artificial in in feel in terms of smells and in terms of like what it's like it's it's not never quite the same so the idea of having an arboretum and teaching kids how to plant and to grow things um really is a a nice little touch and the fact that it started here and ended here was good what about you um i thought the speech was like pretty i don't know par for the course Mm -hmm. you know i didn't really think it was that profound or that um particularly theatrical or anything like that uh i mean it's typical this is this is you know this is jean-luc picard the uh the speech maker yeah did you think that it needed to be like we've only got five minutes or whatever like you know they kind of put a little bit of a time limit on it did you think that was necessary or could this have probably just been like they was stuck and they got out of it the countdown on the draining of the shields i i don't know i guess it kind of added a bit of suspense yeah, pretty standard, I suppose. Yeah, they're always they're always getting their shields drained by weird energy <laughs> beings. Yeah. Now speaking of energy, so at the end, um, I guess we figure out that these aliens in the nebula were were interested in the ship for its like energy sources or whatever, right? They were looking for like things that they, I guess, they feed off energy, and they were looking for energy to consume. So they explain that and the captain's like, oh, it's like fire a giant beam of energy in there for them mm-hmm. to feast on. Um, I don't know. Does that surprise you that they would sort of be like, yeah, here, have some food? I don't know. Is it <laughs> is it kind of like, uh, you know, why you're not supposed to feed the ducks at the at the park? Because then, be, then they become dependent on you. <laughs> no, I thought it was a nice addition. I thought that it was a good kind of nice, happy way to end up the episode and again it fits with the whole starfleet thing helping other races and helping other beings and we've seen this before we'll see it again but i thought it was kind of a nice little capper to the episode to blast them with a little bit of energy how else do you end it you just sort of be like all right well bye guys later yeah (laughs) yeah why wouldn't they do it i mean i'm sure it wasn't uh putting them in a compromising situation so here you go. Have some have some uh, nice, delicious energy. It was just a nice gesture. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some, some of the cast and the characters. There's a, a couple of uh, notable guest stars in this episode. There's a couple that really don't matter, like Felton, the Helms person in like one two scenes and have like zero lines or one line yeah. so we can i think we'll just sort of skip over that uh character now the main sort of antagonists in this one uh clara and isabella there's mm-hmm. the the two kids uh they were very prominent in this episode i think that's putting it mildly uh what did you think of uh the two of them um i think that all of the kids in this episode I think they're all super cute, and I think that they are uh, 
good actors. I mean, for kid actors, it's kind of tough sometimes to get good ones. But I'm going to throw Alexander in the group and say that all the kid actors in this episode were were good. I, I liked them all. As terms of Clara, um, I think that, again, it's not an easy thing. Like, I don't even know how old this person was at the time, but um, it's not an easy thing to have an entire episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, like, based around your performance, right? So um, I think that she did a good job, and I think that all the emotions and all the, the things that she's supposed to, to look afraid or happy or, or, or what have you is played perfectly, and there's just enough of confusion, right? I think that there's a, that little bit where people don't really believe in what she's saying, and then she, you know, she kind of realizes it's wrong, but she doesn't really know what to do because she's torn. There's a lot of really good acting beats in here with these kids, so um, I, I thought that they were good. What about you? Um, overall, I thought they were both pretty good, Clara and Isabella. Clara playing this sort of, um, you know, kid that's been moved around a lot, I thought she pulled that off pretty well. And like you said, like, I, I didn't really think about it until just now, but she was in this episode a lot. Yeah. So no. that, that, both of them were. So that, that uh, actor that played Noli Thornton, I thought that's, that was some pretty, that must have been a pretty, uh, pretty heavy uh, schedule. So I, I thought that was pretty good. And did these guys ever go on to like? Are we ever do we ever see these characters again, or do we ever see these? Like these, I don't think that these guys ever became super famous or anything. Well, Nola Thornton, so who played Clara? She was in one other episode, uh, an episode of Deep Space Nine called Shadow Play. I think that is the one where it was early on. It was like yeah, and I think it's, they go to a planet. And they, there's all these people living there, but their like life signs are weird, and they're not allowed to leave like a certain perimeter. And then it's like it turns out there's only one real person, and all the rest are holograms. I, I think, think that's the one. Yep, that's it. Yeah. So right. she must, who she must have been the little one girl. Of the kids, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. All, that's that must have been relatively close to this then. It would have been maybe a year, maybe two years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. And what about Isabella? Anything or. Okay, Isabella has a shocking... Now, she was not... The, the actor Shay Astar, who played Isabella, was not in any other Star Trek episodes, but she was in another show that I was a big fan of. Okay. Uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, okay. I watched that show, and she was a main character? No. Okay, so you a remember... minor character. So you remember in the first couple of seasons, Tommy, the long-haired dude, had that girlfriend, August? She's August. Really? Okay, yeah, I did I was not shocked. know that. I was shocked when I learned that, but I guess if you, I mean, if you imagine Isabella, like, you know, six or seven years old. She has kind of a, she does have a bit of a, um, she does have kind of a very distinct look. Yeah. Like, I thought that she was, she had, yeah, I would not have guessed that if you had uh, given me a thousand guesses. <laughs> no, Tommy's I girlfriend. Think, I don't think I would have either. His first girlfriend, he had two. Right. Okay. I forgot about that show a little bit. Um, yeah. I yeah. You know, I did like it. Uh, maybe I'll have to go back and rewatch it now. <laughs> we'll have random third rock review next. That'll be our next podcast <laughs> next podcast. Project, yeah. Uh, after after we get through all seven hundred and whatever episodes of Star Trek. Uh, next is uh, Daniel Sutter, who is uh, Claire's father. Now I found him to be sort of a boring ordinary kind of character i don't know if you have a different opinion um i don't know if my opinion is different but i would definitely say that that was kind of the point 
He's just supposed to be the concerned father, and he really can't do too much. Otherwise, I think it would kind of overshadow what the kids are up to. We do see that he's pretty competent, like he's in that engineering scene, um, which actually we never talked about, but I actually thought was kind of a neat idea. I, I don't know uh, if this ever happened to you or if it is even possible in your situation, but it's always kind of a, like a mystery, like what your parents do for work. And it's kind of a weird situation that, like, on a starship like this, like, you actually could just go and, like, track them down and run into where they're supposed to be working. And um, the, kind of the embarrassment of, the, you know, your kid coming in and, and barging in when you're at work. It's kind of like take your kid to work day, <laughs> but in the worst possible, most dangerous spot. Yeah, I don't know. Did you, did you think, so you just thought he was boring? You didn't really have much to say about him? No, I didn't, actually. I, I thought... Aside from that um, scene in engineering where they're talking about naming the nebula, I, I didn't really, nothing real else really stuck out about him. Yeah. You know, I mean, from that scene, you can kind of tell that he's kind of a jokey, sort of jovial yeah. kind of guy, but really, what else do we get? Yeah, okay. I mean, I guess I have to agree, but I thought that was kind of the point, but would you have preferred if this was like somebody you constantly see in the background? Like, you know how in these old ones the extras were a lot of the time the same person would you have rather like it's like oh that guy that's always back there you know i don't know maybe yeah i always thought they should do that with voyager actually i think that what they should have done was they should have said like you know voyager is 250 people and they should have just made a list of all the people and kept track of like which ones we see which ones are killed and then that way you don't get like some of the problems that I think Voyager had where, like, a lot of the stuff doesn't add up. Like, I think they said, like, oh, we're running out of photon torpedoes. But then, like, they just have more later and stuff. I think well, they went through, like, 700 shuttles. And uh, somehow they were able to make more. Yeah. Like, just little things like that, I think, would have been nice touch. And this this would have been kind of cool if it was somebody we'd seen in the background before. Uh, now, we already talked about Guinan a little bit. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add from what we talked about earlier. No, I, th I think we gush about Guinan often enough. But, yeah, I mean, I think that <laughs> it's true. the fact that we do is says a lot about whether or not, uh, you know, whether or not an episode is going to have, like, that extra little bit of spice. Maybe a better question would be, would you be interested in seeing Guinan peek up in the new Picard show? Mm, yes. Yeah, I think that that might be good. <laughs> Especially since we have seen Guinan, and we know this Picard thing is obviously a Borg-related thing. And if you remember from Best of Both Worlds, Guinan, her family, and her homeworld were destroyed yeah, by the yeah. Borg. Um, I think that could be a nice little thing. So I'd like to see more of Guinan. All right. Some, there's not really a whole lot as far as like interesting production stuff. Um, this was, seems to be like a pretty routine episode. One thing that was a little bit interesting is that uh while they were filming this episode um now i know i assume it wasn't while they were like rolling cameras or anything but uh, you know as things were sort of going on there was a, i guess a contest that was run and the winners got a tour of the, the sets and uh when they were doing this episode that's when these people got their tour why don't they do stuff like this anymore this is a completely foreign concept nowadays i feel like back in the back in like the 80s and the 90s like this were things you saw all the time on commercials mm. oh win a trip to see like your favorite uh, characters on the show and you know come see the sets and and i just don't think that we're yeah we just don't get stuff like this anymore either that or i'm just not privy to it but like this was definitely something that they used to do a lot more of 
I don't know. Maybe it's just paranoia over yeah. you know people causing problems when they get taking there. pictures yeah, and, taking, and yeah. you know spoilers. Maybe, but I mean that would have been a cool contest to win. Could you imagine back then? It's like you go on Twitter and it's like, oh my god, there's gonna be an episode star guest starring the you know so and so. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> guess that's the problem. Like, but... what what kind of spoilers can you release if you like toured the set during the filming of this episode? Yeah, well, they're yeah. gonna be exploring a nebula. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, look out! There's gonna be kids on this one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I've even seen a lot more, like, I've seen a lot of videos, um, like, Entertainment Tonight, like, behind the scenes, Voyager and the cast going through and showing the sets and, and talking about the characters. Uh, I just, yeah, there's just, I mean, maybe maybe this is just from a bygone era. But, yeah, I would have loved to win that contest because it probably came with free flight to Los Angeles, I'm assuming. That's where they would have filmed it, right? Yeah, who knows? It contest would be way less good if you had to get yourself there in your own hotel it was just literally like you could come into the building for one day yeah the the only other thing i could really dig up as far as production goes there was uh there was a stunt double booked for marina Sirtis for that scene where she's attacked by isabella but for whatever reason that scene was cut so the scene was cut or she just did it herself she did it herself they i guess they filmed it with stunt double and then filmed it with Marina Sirtis, and I right. guess they just decided they didn't need the one with the stunt double. But that must have been like some attack yeah. if they needed like a stunt double. Maybe there was a flip it. involved. Who knows? Or maybe she like just completely back. flung herself back into the wall. Like who knows? Well, it obviously the this obviously the one that she had was the better of the two, or more convincing. All right. Uh, were there any particularly memorable scenes or any good lines that you would like to uh, throw out there? Um, I did like both the data scenes because there was the one I prefer, Nebula, you know, BF374. That was a good line. <laughs> um, I also like, I mean, Data, he, he is known for not getting the humor right, but I do like kind of the dry delivery of when they're talking about the nebula and he goes besides it's a bunny rabbit and that's a good one <laughs> although i mean i i have to any episode with alexander roshenko i have to ensure that that is my favorite scene and that's my favorite moment so i guess my favorite moment or my favorite scene is when the clay mug gets destroyed and alexander goes, you wrecked it clara <laughs> that's my favorite line <laughs> Uh, I'm going to choose a slightly different scene. So, um, you'll recall there's a scene where Troy and Claire are in the turbo lift and okay. Troy's like trying to talk to Isabella. She like turns and faces like one direction and starts saying, Isabella. <laughs> and I, I don't even remember what they were talking about. Yeah. And she says like this whole big long spiel and Clara's like, uh, she's over there and points like a different direction. <laughs> That is a good one. <laughs> I thought that was uh, great. Yeah, that good good call. I, I, that was a, a definitely one that made me laugh as well. Yeah. Final thoughts and uh, give me a rating out of uh, five evil red eyes for uh, imaginary friend. All right. Um, I think that you and I are on two different wavelengths here. I feel like I really liked this episode, and I feel like you were just kind of slogging through it. Uh, for me, Isabella is super creepy. 
the red eyes and the kitschiness of the horror element or the whole kind of children in the corn stuff was great. I thought that the kid actors were awesome. It has Alexander Roshenko in it, so that's automatically like a plus one. Uh, it had the adventure and the, the mystique of the nebula. I think that it's cool to see uh, the ship from the point of view of other people, not just the main cast, which I always love. And yeah, it's got some memorable pieces, some funny lines, you know, Guinan's good in it. Like for me, this is near about as good of an episode as you're going to get. And I would even say that's probably one step above your regular run-of-the-mill weekly episode. So I, surprisingly, I'm actually going to give this one four out of five evil red eyes. I mean, I, I am kind of torn as far as where it sits on the evil red eyes scale, but um, uh, this this one it does. There are some good parts to it, but I just uh, I was just watching through it, and I I mean, it just seems kind of ordinary and run of the mill to me. There's there's some good parts that do stick out, like you know, and it obviously left a pretty strong impression on me. But I don't know, I just found it was kind of Meh. I still kind of stand by my, <laughs> my like, okay. one-word assessment of uh, the episode. Uh, I think what I, I mean, I guess run-of-the-mill for Next Generation is typically a little bit higher than maybe some of the other series. So I think for that reason, I will give it three evil red eyes out of five. All right, I think I hear the red alert siren, which means we are uh, close to the end of our time here on RTR, and that means it is time to uh, draw a fresh new episode for us to uh, review on the next podcast. And um, Andrew, are you uh, how are you feeling about your chances uh, today? I feel like we have had a long string of Voyager and Next Generation stuff. But that's not necessarily true. We have had a sprinkling of Enterprise. Um, I feel like we're overdue for some Deep Space Nine. I feel like we're overdue for some Discovery. So yeah, I, you know, I'm going to think, I think that just kind of statistically, uh, my guess is this will be a Deep Space Nine episode. All right. Let's see what we got here. I'm going to reach deep into the uh, straw hat uh, we have our, with all our episodes in it and get a nice, good episode out and we got one here for you so are you ready to uh, sink into this one i'm ready okay the series is deep space nine hey is that worth a point guessing that <laughs> one out of five chances i'm afraid not okay uh, this is a, uh, season four episode number 26 uh ooh, 26 that could potentially be a season finale what's the name of the episode Okay, the name of the episode is Broken Link. Broken Link. Okay. Yeah, so as usual, I'll put a minute on the clock, and uh, if you're playing along at home, um, you can maybe pause the podcast and grab a uh, writing utensil of some sort and a piece of paper and see what you can remember about the uh, Deep Space Nine episode Broken Link. And what the hey, you might as well send it in to us at uh, randomtrickreview at gmail.com or you can Twitter us and uh, tell us what you remember and we can uh, give you a score out of five. Just like on the podcast. It's like you're on the podcast yourself. All right, we got one minute on the clock and it will start 
now. All right, I believe that this is a series finale, and it obviously is uh, relating to Odo and his uh, his link to the Founders. I believe this is the one where he gets sick and he starts to kind of molt away, and they don't really know what's wrong with him, so they venture towards his uh, home world, uh, which is in the Delta Quadrant. Um, I think that we get a lot of information about the Founders and kind of their kind of mingling in amongst... Um, the Dominion and all that kind of stuff. I think this might be either the first or one of the episodes where we see uh, kind of that mother founder figure. Um, I think that there also is some sort of big battle as well. I believe that the Defiant gets like very badly damaged, and I think that Kira uh, and Odo get separated at some point. But this is definitely where they find out that the founders live on one of those, like it's like a moon near one of those things. But yes, the broken link refers to the fact that um, Odo needs to go back and kind of get connected back to his uh, his roots. We learn lots about him. And that's one minute. Um, I think you are mostly on the right track here. I, th- there are a lot of sort of episodes where Odo has to like go and face his people, I feel like. And that's I true. think this is one of them, but yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly what... The thing that's weird one. about this one, though, is that like, 26 episodes? Is that right? It is. Yeah, I mean, obviously it is, but that seems like a lot of episodes per season. Like, is that was that pretty standard for Voyager, Deep Space Nine, and Next Generation? I believe that was the standard length in those days, yes. Yeah. Basically one every other week. Which is pretty... Yeah, they, they were pumping out as many episodes as we are. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I can appreciate how much work that must have been. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess we better go and fire up the old... Uh, the old television and uh, dig into some Deep Space Nine. It's been a while since we've been here, so I'm kind of excited to to go back into it. And if I recall, I think that season four, especially season four into season five, is uh, is getting into good territory. This could be a good one. I hope so. I hope it's a good one. All right. That's all the time we have for this uh, edition of RTR. Thanks so much for joining us, and we hope you will tune in next time on RTR as we look at. Broken Link. Bye-bye, everybody!